morning, everyone. Good morning, those of you who tuned in on Facebook and on the internet. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so, okay. Okay, so I was walking over here in Middle Island. Me and Donald were supposed to play chess, and uh, we usually meet over at the Middle Island uh, McDonald's, and we sit inside, and we play chess, and we talk, and we hang out. And um, so... Uh, I was there a little early and he wasn't there yet. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna, there's a little place there. There's like a gravel pit there. And like there's a, a walking trail in the back. It's really nice. I mean, they just built it. Thank God for my tax money. But they just built this thing. So uh, I said, well, you know what, I'll go walk there for half an hour, pray, you know, and see, you know, see what God does, you know. So I'm, I'm walking in there. And uh, it reminds me of when I was little, I lived on the farm and I'm walking around. It's really nice, there's pine trees and maple trees and oak trees and, and all these trees and, and just all this nice stuff and there's squirrels and chipmunks and deer. It was, it's a pretty prolific place. Um, but so I'm walking around and uh, all of a sudden, out in the middle, about 100 feet in, I see this stand of bamboo. And I'm like, like this doesn't belong here. How did this get here? Somebody must have planted this because there's no way that this could be here. You know, it just doesn't belong here. And so I, I, I know it's an invasive species and I started thinking about the term invasive species and, and I'm like, and that's by the way, that's the title of my message this morning, invasive species. And so uh, I got me to thinking about invasive species and this is, okay, so what is an invasive species? An invasive species is a plant, animal, or fish that is taken out of its native environment where it's indigenous, okay? Taken out of that environment and then planted into a new environment, okay? And, and so bamboo is an invasive species. There's a couple of actually invasive species that were transplanted, okay? Um, it's used, this term is used for bamboo. Um, the gypsy moth, we love them. Those are the ones that strip the trees green. This year they didn't, they didn't come out all that much, so the trees are still green. Of the Asian carp, the Asian carp are these fish. I'm, I'm sure you've seen them, and if not, you could. It's pretty cool to watch. You can Google it. And the Asian carp, they're these fish that are about yay big. And when you're driving the boat through the rivers, they literally jump out of the water at you. They'll smash your boat. They've broken windshields. They've hit people. They've broken people's glasses. They've knocked people out of boats. They're pretty. They're pretty. Uh, you know, they're pretty nasty in that they do that. And they're also a invasive species. And then our latest menace is the lanternfly. This is a little gray fly. We saw these in Pennsylvania. Um, they're from Asia as well. Um, they're about yay big, and they have like a gray pastel, uh, grayish color with black dots. And they're unique in that when they fly, they have this fire engine red wingspan in the back. It's it's actually very pretty insect. They just don't belong here. So we, we were running all over the park when we were there. Me and Nicholas and the kids were all squishing them as much as we could because they said if you see them, kill them because they really need help. They go after fruit trees. So if you like fruit, you definitely want to bag as many of those as you can. But anyway, so there are an invasive species. All these creatures can now be found in North America, but they do not belong here. They're not indigenous. And in layman's terms, they don't belong. Okay. So that led to the next thought. I do a lot of chain thinking. One thing leads to another. And so in this chain of thoughts, I was thinking, you know, we as Christians, we do the same thing. We were transplanted out of the kingdom of darkness, right, death and darkness, and transplanted into the kingdom of light and life, right, through the cross, through what Jesus did on the cross. We are transplanted. So now we have this new world, this new surroundings, and then we sometimes 
import invasive species into this new realm, into this new area. And it's like, okay, so I'm like, wow, that's true, that's so true that they're, and this new environment, we don't want these invasive species, but we sometimes accidentally import them or sometimes choose to import them. Uh, Colossians 3 is where we're going today. So if you could turn to Colossians 3, uh, Colossians 3 this is where we're going today. Okay, so verse one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now the word since then implies that it's a done deal, that it's a reality. It's not a maybe or a could be, it's a fact. God sees us as raised with Christ. We may not be there physically, but we are there spiritually, right? Verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So whenever I think of the word setting something, like set your minds, I think of putting in a fence post. You know, so how do you put in a fence post? You, you dig a hole, okay, and then you set the fence post in the hole, and it just wiggles around in the hole, and then you put these boards on both sides, and you level it, and you use the boards to hold it still and keep it level on all four sides, it's level, okay? And then you get the concrete, you mix it up, something very Italian about mixing concrete, I really love it, and you mix it up, and it's all slushy and stuff, and then you pour it in the hole, and then you leave it alone till like 24 hours or so, and then it sets. And once it sets, it's immovable. Like you walk up and grab this thing, like when I did Nick's swing set in the back, I put two huge poles in the ground, and the next day after it cured, you could go out there and it wouldn't move, okay? So that's when I think of the word set, set your minds on things above. It's like, okay, so now I'm gonna set my mind. It also sounds like a choice. It sounds like a choice. The setting of your mind, because why? Because our minds tend to wander. We all know this. Sit down to pray one time. Sit down to read your Bible. Sit down to do anything godly and you'll see that your mind starts to wander. Well, we know that's the enemy trying to get us off track of what God wants us to do, get into his word. But yet at the same time, we find ourselves, this mindset of ours wanders. Like we'll be thinking about something great that God did in our lives and then something else will happen and we'll start thinking about the negative things. And again, those are an invasive species. They don't belong in our new world because we're in the kingdom of light and life now. So we have to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Well, that begs the question, what does, what are we to set our minds on, right? Because if the world is not the thing we should set our mind on, what should we set our minds on? Well, Philippians 4, 8 tells us what to set our minds on. This is my wife's favorite verse. She applies this all the time. Um, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So these are the things we should be thinking about, not the things that we could be thinking about, like politics, the the virus, this, that, all these different things. Because if you get caught in that, you just go down lower and lower. That's invasive species thinking. No, we want to focus the things on God's word. And then the daily news would kind of get boring if that was our standard, because that's all the opposite of that. Okay, verse three, for you died. And your life is now hidden in Christ with God, for you died. Hmm, that's kind of odd because I'm not dead. Sometimes I wish I was dead. You know, like after 14 days of work that I just finished, I just finished 14 days, uh, I feel like I'm dead. Um, when you're sitting in the, in the dentist chair and he's giving you a front root canal, you wish you were dead. I wish this would be over. I wish Jesus would come back. This would be a great time for that. But no, but I'm not dead. So what does this mean? What is it talking about? Well, it's, it's talking about I am dead to my old life. My old life is over. That life is over. Dominic Frisella is dead in God's eyes, okay? 
It's now Jesus living in me, according to Galatians 2.20. God made us alive in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I, I grew up on a farm. You guys know a lot about that. Um, there's something called candling. You know, many people wouldn't know what that is, but back in the day, you would take an egg and you would, uh, that was fertilized, okay? You'd take that egg and you'd put it up against a box that would have a candle in the back and you could literally see inside the egg. You could see the embryo of the egg developing. It's called candling. Well, nowadays they use a, a bulb, a light, but you don't leave it there too long, otherwise you cook the thing. But you know, you, you, you have the bulb there and you look and you can see the embryo growing. As long as that chick is in the shell, he's safe. And I picture myself in Christ and I'm safe. So that's what it's sort of like. I'm in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Again, we're alive in Christ. We have no life in us. The other part, uh, the next verse, uh, verse four. When Christ, who is your life, by the way, because now you have no life in you other than him, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's two parts to this. First, we're alive in Christ. We already talked about that. And this, is, this other part is talking about the third coming. Now, we know about the first coming, Jesus born in the manger. We know about that one. And then the second coming is when Jesus comes to get us in uh, the rapture. And then the third coming is when we come back as the church to judge the world and the set up the kingdom okay so that's what this is talking about revelations 19 7 through 9 talks about that so let's look at some of the invasive species right what are the invasive species that we allow into our new christian lives our new world that god has given us okay what things don't belong what things do um who was here for the truth project the other night okay just so you know this is like a disclaimer just so you know I wrote this sermon two weeks ago before we had that adventure, we had, we'd had the tour last night, because the guy from the, uh, the Truth Project talks a lot about the st some of the stuff that I'm gonna address, same scripture verses and stuff like that, which, hey, made me feel good, at least I know theologically I'm sound, right? Because if he's gonna say it, then that's, that's pretty good stuff. Um, but verse five of, the, of Colossians three. Put to death, therefore, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Put to death. Okay, that word put to death is the Greek word nekros. Okay, it means something that is lifeless, something that's inanimate. You know, um, if you've gone into the new construction area, you'll see there's a, there's a dummy there, a headless dummy. You know, that's what it's talking about. That thing looks human, it looks alive, but it's dead. It's, okay, there's no life in it. Okay, in the King James Version of the Bible, it uses the word mortify. Okay, mortify is the Greek word mortakia, which is where we get our word for mortuary and mortician. So there's a lot of death things that are supposed to be happening. So when you go from the uh, light and life and you go into, you know, you go from death and darkness into light and life, there's gonna be a lot of things that should be going, a lot of things that should be dying. But so what are we to put to death? What kinds of things? Well, we already talked about it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Why? Why? Well, verse six tells us why. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Because of those things, the wrath of God is coming. That's why, okay? And then verse seven goes on. You, should, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. You used to walk in these. That's, that's a very powerful statement to say you used to walk in these ways. In other words, we used to, these things are no longer our new existence. They are an invasive species. They don't belong. We don't want them in our lives. We should no longer be walking in them anymore. Verse eight, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as this. Okay, so what are we to rid ourselves? Rid yourselves of what? This isn't gonna be easy, by the way. 
right, ridding yourselves. I know when I first got saved, I had quite the potty mouth. I probably couldn't say 10 words without dropping words in there that don't belong. Um, but God, over time, and every time I would say something bad, he would, you know, Holy Spirit would bring it to my attention. That's not, that's invasive species talk. We don't talk like that anymore. Slowly but surely, those things all fell away because the Holy Spirit kept guiding me into new truth, and I'd realize that's not something you want to say or say anymore. Um, so now we're not walking in those things because we used to walk in them, but we don't anymore. Um, but we're to rid ourselves. Do you know what it takes to get rid of the Asian carp? I told you about the Asian carp. Do you know what it takes to get rid of the Asian carp? Okay, so here's what they do. They, uh, they dam up the river at the head of the river. They dam up the river on the end of the river. And then they pour what's called retinone into the, into the river. And what retinone does is it kills fish. Anything with gills kills everything. The, 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 the good fish, the bad fish, the catfish, the dogfish. I know dogfish isn't there, but you know, it, just, it sounds good going together. But so you have all these fish. They all die within a couple hours, and then they pull them all out of the river, and they grind them up, and I don't know what they do with them. But then what they do is they neutralize the retinone, and then they will restock with proper fish, and then they open the river and let it flow again. But that's a pretty radical step to think that they kill all the fish just to get rid of these Asian carp right? So Jesus talks about sin in our lives as Christians, and how should we treat it? In Matthew 5, 29, he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Ooh, that sounds pretty radical. Or in Hebrews 12, 14, 12, 14 it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. How's that for a standard? What does that mean? That means I'm going to resist sinning to the point where I shed blood. Do we use that as our standard before we give up? I don't think so. I think I find myself bailing a little too early. I think I should work harder at that myself. But how's that for radical? How's that for radical? Let's continue with the list of invasive species. These are things that do not belong in your life. They are an invasive species. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other as once you have, uh, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, in other words, invasive species, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So this morning I, I chose to put this on. I put this on, okay, and when I get home I'll probably take this off and I'll put on shorts and a t-shirt if it's, you know, if it's not too cold, but I'm, I'm choosing to put on and take off. It sounds like there's a choice to be made. I have to stop doing the things that I used to do. We have a new existence. In our, the old things do not belong. They are an invasive species and must be dealt with ruthlessly. No coddling of the old ways. All must be jettisoned. No coddling. For many years as a Christian, when I first got saved, I coddled some of those things, but eventually the Holy Spirit said, no, that's gotta go. That's invasive species. It doesn't belong anymore. Okay? On verse 11. Here there is, no, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is in all. This goes for everyone. This goes for everyone. If you're in Christ, if you're saved, then you no longer have, you should not have these things in your life anymore. Because the, let's say, what if the, the Asian carp, that's why they're so ruthless about this. If the Asian, what do you think would happen if the Asian carp make it into the Great Lakes? You're talking about a $7 billion fishing industry gone within a year because those fish are so pervasive they will outnumber and outmatch all those other fish in no time at all. And so they must be dealt with ruthlessly. Otherwise, if they get in there, we got problems, okay? So that's what it means. It's, things gotta go. And you know what? These invasive species like this list here, they don't bring anything good in your life. 
they, are, they are bring nothing but destruction and damage and hurt. Why would you want those things in your life? No, those things should not be there. The things that God brings into our, the, the good things, those are the things that should be there. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. It's wonderful to think of God sees you that way, that we're chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's the way God sees us. Doesn't that give you such confidence? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself. In other words, put these things on. Wear it as a garment. What are we to put on? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, these are the same garments that Jesus wore when he walked this earth, the exact same things. These attributes are the indigenous species. Remember, indigenous means it belongs. These are the indigenous species of our new life. We wanna have these thriving in our new life, not the invasive species. But if you allow the invasive species to grow in your life, those good things won't grow. They'll just kind of be dwarfed in some way. But no, when you get rid of the invasive species, the other things get to thrive, right? Like take bamboo, for instance, my personal nemesis. I actually preached a sermon on bamboo years ago, okay? It's, when it's planted, it competes for water, nutrients, and sunshine, eventually killing off all the native plants and shrubs. Now, if I go back to that spot that I saw in Middle Island, right? If I go back to that spot 20 years from now, I'll be, I'll be 80. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I go there, that stand of bamboo will be huge. It'll be all over the place. And it will drive out everything. The deer don't eat it. There's no natural predator. We don't have is running around eating this stuff, so where's it gonna go? So it's just terrible. So we, we have to cut it out of our lives. It's the same thing with invasive species that come into our lives. We have to be ruthless about getting rid of it. What's wrong with allowing these negative destructive species into our new environment? They just don't belong, so we have to rid ourselves of them. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now how did the Lord forgive us? I know in my personal experience, you know, he didn't use a thimble of, of forgiveness. No, he used the truck in my life, okay? And so we are to be the most forgiving people in the world. We, because a lack of forgiveness is invasive species thinking. That's not what we are anymore. We ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. Whenever I think of how, how hard it is to forgive people, forgive me, forgive people for things they do, I go to the cemetery because my parents are buried there. And I think if I could forgive them, I could forgive anybody. And so I use that in my mind to say, you know what, there's no standard. And then if I ask God to forgive me, he's, you know, I have to not have, like if I use a thimble on you and expect him to use a garbage truck on me, that's not fair. I have to use a garbage truck on you. I have to give you plenty of grace. If you do something, I have to forgive you, especially if you ask for it, okay? And if you don't cut that stuff down, it will grow like crazy. So, uh, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. We have to forgive each other. We must be the most forgiving people in the world. And then what is this standard? Jesus says right here, he says in Matthew six fourteen, he says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, you your heavenly father will give you. Let me start over again. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow, that sounds pretty powerful. That means we must be the most forgiving people in the world. That is our new thing. That, that is not invasive species thinking. Okay, verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together. Okay, over all these things put on love, which binds them all together. Whenever I think of binding, you know, I came up with this phrase. I don't know, uh, you know, what it, how I came up with it. Love is the rope that binds the Christian heart. It holds everything together. Love is the rope that holds everything together, right? 
What does Paul say in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, right? He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That would be like, you know, the whole band is up here, they're all doing great, and then I go up with a cymbal and start banging on it arbitrarily, right? They, they would look at me like, what are you doing? You're, you're not helping, you're, you're making a mess, and you're, you're causing problems. Exactly. So you don't want that. We, no, we want to have this. If you have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all miracles and mysteries and all knowledge and have absolute faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So if you don't have love, all those things are worthless. They do nothing. They're not gonna contribute to your life at all. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Okay, now that word, that word, um, um, that word where it says rule, the rule, okay, that word rule there is the same word used for referee. So it's the same word, Okay. In other words, Christ and his word are to be the sole arbiter of what's good and bad. Not my opinion, not the circumstances, not how I feel about it. Christ's peace is to be the referee in all situations. He calls balls and strikes. So if he tells me to forgive someone, I have to do that. That's not a debatable, I can't think about that. It doesn't matter on the circumstances, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. Christ is the one who calls the shots, he's the referee. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, the message of Christ is to dwell in us richly. That's the part that's supposed to be dwelling in us richly. Not necessarily my message or your message or my thoughts or your thoughts. No, most of that, um, we don't admonish from our own ideas, but we admonish and we teach from God's word. Okay, my perspective is fallen. My perspective is sinful. It's tainted with sin. So I never want to go on what I think is the best way to do it. No, God's word is perfect and we are to admonish and teach people through the word of God because his, we're supposed to seek the mind of Christ about a topic. So if someone comes up to me and asks me, well, how do I fix this problem in my marriage? I don't give them my opinion. I give them the word of God. The word of God has power. My words really don't, okay? And so whatever you do, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to refer to the word of God and how, you know, because his word is perfect. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, we don't do things, I talked about this in another sermon, um, we don't do things to glorify ourselves, right? We do things to glorify God, okay? Which means that when I do something, I try you know, to reflect the glory, the glory back to God. It's sort of like these lights that are up here. Behind each one of them, you got the bulb, right? And then you've got this reflector. It's a glass, like a mirror, okay, behind the bulb. Now, the mirror just reflects the light. It doesn't create the light. It isn't the light. No, the light comes from God, and it gets reflected back to him. We are never to be the receivers of glory. And whenever something happens, you always try to give that glory back to God. I mean, if somebody comes up to you and says, thank you for helping you, say, you're welcome, you know. And, but if they're gonna go on about you, you wanna make sure that they... Uh, that, that God gets that glory, Nazi. We don't bask in the glories ourselves. We reflect it back to him like a mirror uh, for the flashlight reflects the light that it receives. Okay, so now, um, where did I go? Two pages. Um, in my Bible, it says instruction for Christian households. So this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. How do we apply all this stuff kind of thing? That's what this is about. Now, um, I didn't have the best family life growing up, but I knew as a Christian that when I got married, a lot of the stuff that I saw my parents do, both sets, um, would not be applicable to the new world. It would be an invasive species. 
Okay, so when Dory and I got married, we said, well, what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna get the foundation for our marriage? Where are we gonna get that from? Well, we decided we were gonna get it from the Bible because we're gonna be a Christian couple, okay? And this was gonna work in our, um, our Christian environment. So it all starts right here at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, right? That verse usually makes people cringe, but I love it, okay, because it's God's word and it's a standard that we should live by. In our vows, Dory, Dory vowed to obey me. Now, Dory's parents, that was foreign, that was alien to them. They're like, whoa, what is that all about? But you know what? When you look at what the world says, we knew that that was gonna be an invasive species and wasn't gonna work, so we didn't want that. We decided that we were gonna run our marriage and our lives as a Christian couple and base it on the word of God, okay? And so the rules as I see them are simple. These are my rules. Um, I put God first. My wife is second. The kids are third. I, every decision I make follows that pattern. My wife, knowing I love her above myself, knows that I'll never do what's best for me, but what's best for us and the kids. How could you not submit to that? It, my wife knows that I would run through fire for her. That I, you know, the old saying, would you take a bullet for her? Yeah, I would take a bullet for her. I love her. I would do anything for her. Um, but, and then what does Paul say in Ephesians, right? He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I lay down my wants, my needs, and my plans down at the Lord's feet and do what he directs. It's just that simple. Again, verse 19 actually goes on again. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Again, to the world, this is crazy talk. This is going back to, uh, you know, the, the Truth Project the other night, right? This is crazy talk. If, if, you know what, if I'm number one, right, you're number one, that's what they teach you, you know you're number one. Well, if I'm number one, you could be number two, three, four, if you make my list at all. You know, if you call me up and say, hey, Dom, I need help. You know what? You're like 15 on the list. I've got like eight people in front of you. Sorry, I can't help you. No, if you're number one, you're putting everybody else as something after that. But what did Jesus do? Did Jesus make himself number one? No, he became, he became a servant, right, to everyone, okay? So that's what we're supposed to be. So anything other than that is, um, is, is invasive species thinking. And that would be as destructive as Asian carp. If I was selfish, if, if everything, every decision I made was based on what I felt and what I think, or what I would like to do, what I want, what I, my needs, if, that, would, that wouldn't last very long in a Christian marriage at all because that's invasive species thinking. It just doesn't belong. Verse 20, another aspect of, of the real world, okay? Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Now, I, indeed, I was fortunate my kids were brought up that, they, that there were consequences for acting badly. If they did something wrong, they would be punished. There would be some kind of discipline. But they know that we love them and eventually came to the understanding that we were always looking out for their best interest. Kids today don't have that. I run into so many kids today that they say, I'm not even sure my parents love me. You know, well, they feel that way because their parents didn't discipline them. If you love someone, you discipline them. Okay, but again, it's gotta be mixed with love. Verse 20 talks about that. Um, Oh, uh, wait, sorry, wrong one. Um, my dad used to say, okay, because my dad told me this story when he was a kid. Um, his father used to spank him a lot. Well, obviously, he was a troublesome kid. But he used to say to him, you know, I'm, as he got the leather out, you know, he'd say, you know, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm punishing you, I'm spanking you because I love you. To which my father would say, don't love me so much. Right? Hate me a little bit, you know? No, we love, and because we love, we discipline. It's part and parcel of love, okay? God's word explains to us why discipline is good. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says, 
because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises, chastises everybody he accepts as a son. Love and discipline are the A and B epoxy that kids, gets kids a sense of respect and authority, uh, respect for authority and well-being. It's the A and B epoxy. It's like, if, I don't know if you've ever used A and B epoxy, but if you, it comes in two tubes, right? And what you have to do is mix them together and, and, then, and then that makes the glue. But if you mix it out of proportion, it doesn't work, okay? It's the same thing here. You have to have discipline and you have to have love and they have to be in balance with each other, okay? And the next verse talks about that. Verse 21, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged, right? But even this is tempered by love. It's a, a mixture again. But what does it do? So if you do this right, if you mix, you mix love and discipline together, you're gonna get confidence. You know, when my kids ask if they could do something and mom and dad will say no, you know, and they do it anyway and it kind of blows up in their faces, they know, hey, you know what? Maybe I should have listened. And then on times when they'll say, well, what do you think we should do? What should I do here? And I say this or this. My wife and I both agree. And then it works out well. What does it do? It breeds confidence. It breeds confidence. They know, hey, if mom and dad are on board with this, this is probably gonna be okay, you know? And it gives them that confidence that a lot of kids lack. Okay, now, verse 22 talks about slaves. Now, just so you know, slavery was abolished in our country in 1865, so slavery is illegal. But what I like to do when I read this verse, I see it as employers and employees, okay? I make it more to, so it fits what I do, my life, okay? Verse 22, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, I don't just work when my boss is watching, because my boss is all the way in Huntington. You know, I mean, I, I work out east. I'm all over the place. I'm at different buildings all the time. So he doesn't necessarily know what I do, but God does. God sees what I do. And there is, you ever see that show, um, what is it, um, uh, Undercover Boss? I love that show, Undercover Boss. So there was this one episode where the girl, um, she's working at a, 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 a gym uh, type of place and people are coming in and she's, she's talking abusively to them. She's being rude to them. She's using profanity to them. She's, uh, there's these, these shakes that she's supposed to mix up that she's not following the rules. She just does whatever she wants and she's like running the show and she's on the phone all the time texting and talking and the man who owns the company is right next to her and she doesn't know it. And so at the end of the episode, he brings her on with the man who owned the, the, the gym and actually fired her on national TV. And I said, wow, that's, that's pretty steep. But you know what? If she was doing the right thing, it wouldn't have mattered. He would have said, hey, what, uh, the other side of that is on that show, sometimes people come out and they give them $10,000. They give them all kinds of cool stuff. They pay for their college. I mean, if they're doing the right thing. So that's what it's like. So we need to keep that in mind that when we're working, we're not working for our bosses because they're not gonna see what we're doing. But no, we work for the Lord, okay? And that should, in, that's, that should be, our, in fact, everything we do. So if you believe that God is omnipresent, that means God is everywhere at the same time, he's right there with you anyway. You're never alone. You're never by yourself, right? If I take an extra three or four minutes in the truck instead of after lunch to you know, sit there and read a book or whatever, God knows that. I usually make that time up someplace else. But you know what? It's like you have to understand that God is with us all the time. He knows exactly what we're doing. Verse 23 backs this up. Whatever you do, work at it with, your, uh, with all your heart as in working for the Lord, not human masters, okay? Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether it's working, serving, whatever you do, you do it for that. On my, if you go to my Facebook page and you'll see my quote is, I would rather work for God at no price than work for man at any price. 
Because you know what? If you get a raise and someone gives you a raise, that feels good for a little while, right? For maybe a couple of weeks, it feels good. Wow, I got an extra, you know, whatever amount that is. But it soon wears off. But when you work for the Lord, it never wears off because you know everything we do is being put forward. So what does Jesus say about this in Matthew 6? He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what we put on deposit in heaven is not gonna be affected by taxation. It's not gonna go up and down like my 401k. It's not gonna do that. It's gonna stay nice and flat and level. Everything I, everything I do for God stays with him. He's gonna mind it. He's gonna make sure it grows. Okay, not my problem at all. But to think about it, you know, that's invasive species thinking to think like that, to think that I'm going to, everything I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get something back for. That's just not the way it works. But it's as secure as, as Fort Knox. Verse 25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongs. There is no favoritism. I kind of despise favoritism. It really bothers me when I see that because I think that just because somebody knows somebody, they get away with something that I could never get away with. It really, that bothers me. Um, and I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of that and it drove me a little crazy. Um, but I think about the fact that God is fair. That God is fair. Yes, Dominic Frisella sinned. Dominic Frisella messed up a whole lot. A lot, okay? And somebody had to pay for that sin. Somebody had to pay for that to be rectified, okay, or redeemed. Somebody had to pay for that. And Jesus did, right? Jesus came along and paid my debt. He paid the debt that I owed, okay? And he transplanted me from the kingdom of death and darkness into the kingdom of light and life, okay? So now that he's done that, do I wanna have these invasive species, that list of things? Do I wanna have those thriving in my life or do, wanna, or do I wanna have the things that God is putting in my life? No, I want the things that God is putting in my life. In this new environment, I want it to be free of invasive species. In my backyard, uh, my neighbor planted bamboo along his fence and now for the past 18 years I've lived here, it's kind of crept into my yard. So I'm constantly out there, even Nick is now doing it. We go out in the yard with the ax and we chop it up and pull it out of the ground, we mow it down. Um, it's a constant thing. And you know what? This list of things, anger, greed, you know, malice, all those things, they're gonna pop up every once in a while, right? They're gonna be there. But the trick is to keep them down to every time they raise their ugly head, we do something to prevent them to stop them. Okay, that is all invasive species thinking. So we don't want that. We want the things of God, those good things. We want those to thrive in our lives, not the invasive species. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us all together. We pray, Lord God, that you would take this word and hide it in our hearts. Lord, that when we start to stray from the things that you've called us to, that uh, we start to see invasive species popping up, that we would indeed be very quick to, uh, to eradicate them, to allow your spirit to move in our lives in such a way that um, we would not have these things in our lives, Lord. We know they are very destructive and they do us no good whatsoever, Lord. And so we pray that you help us to, uh, to be the kind of people that eradicate these things as quick as possible, Lord, and not allow them to thrive in our new life. And we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.